Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is Em, and I want to talk about books. And cats. Hey, book lovers, welcome back. This week, I've got a double story episode for you, and this features a couple of fantastic novellas. We're going short fiction this week. I really love shorter stories. I know I've said it before, not just because they take less time to ravenously consume, but also because it takes a special skill to write a really excellent short story or novella. And I've got a couple of great ones for you today. So let's get right to it. And I want to start by talking about The House on the Water by Margot Hunt. So this one is an Audible original. It's one of the ones that comes with the Audible membership. And it was excellent. (laughs) It's a nice quick listen, just a few hours long. And it even manages to have a bit of a twist. I especially appreciate how this story is written because it's a thriller. And it's really well done, despite it being so short. She's a best-selling author, and I can definitely see why. And I am definitely going to check out some of her books because they look great. (laughs) But back to this novella. Like I said, I loved it. Basically, our main character, Caroline, always goes on vacation once a year with her best friend since college, Esme. They have never missed a year, no matter what is going on in their lives. As they get older, their vacations begin to include their partners, and this year Caroline's husband is there, but Esme is in the middle of a divorce. So they decide to bring Esme's brother and his husband along to try to add more distractions so that Esme isn't thinking about her divorce the whole time. Now, Esme and her brother don't necessarily get along, and there's also some issues with family money. So you know things are going to get complicated and dramatic. (laughs) So despite all of that and despite Caroline's own problems, everyone is excited for this trip. Or they're at least pretending to be. (laughs) They get a gorgeous house on a lake and they're all looking forward to a few days and nights of just fun and relaxation and having a chance to just forget their troubles for a bit. So the first night, everyone gets way too drunk, (laughs) and things get a little weird here and there. There's a few different things going on that evening, (laughs) and then the next morning, one of them is dead, and then it's a matter of figuring out who did this terrible thing and what their motivation was. So I'm going to leave this one super vague because it's short, and I don't want to ruin anything if you decide to listen to this book. I will say that everybody has a possible motive, and the end might surprise you. No matter what, it is an excellent story and a very good listen. The narrator is Taylor Schilling, and she was just excellent. And I feel like I've listened to something else that she's read, but I'm not sure what it is. (laughs) I definitely recommend The House on the Water by Margot Hunt. And like I said, this one is an audible only, so you will have to listen to it. And now from one excellent novella to another, we're going to move on and talk about Dear Laura by Gemma Amore. So this book was recommended to me on Amazon after I finished up the horror stories that I discussed last episode, and I think I'm definitely on a little bit of a horror kick right now. 
I've always really loved the horror genre. It was really the first um, genre fiction that I read and also the first, you know, quote unquote, adult books that I was allowed to read. Way too young. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to look back and think maybe a third grader shouldn't do a book report on Pet Cemetery. But um, yeah, it was definitely a memorable book. And here we are. <laughs> anyway, this is another great horror story. And this one is based in reality which, honestly, is so much scarier. <laughs> Laura is our protagonist, and the story is told along two timelines, one of Laura when she's in her 40s and another when she is young, starting at age 14. At this age, her best friend and brand-new boyfriend of one day, Bobby, disappears into a big blue van with a mysterious man, and he is never seen again. Poor Laura is just lost to grief and guilt. She takes all the blame for his disappearance, and that is only made worse when his mother comes into the house and attacks her and blames her because she just can't handle the grief. Laura's parents work all the time and are basically never around, so she is left to deal with this huge pain alone. Now, this is heartbreaking enough and way more than a kid should ever have to endure alone. But then also add in mysterious letters that begin to arrive every year on her birthday. They're from a mysterious man who claims to know what happened to Bobby. The man demands that she does not go to the police, and if she does the little tasks that he asks her, he will give her a clue to help find Bobby. And at this point, a shadow is cast over her life for years. She continues to search for the truth, all the while being haunted by the ghost of her closest and really only friend. And it takes over her life. <laughs> this was a really excellent read, and I just absolutely devoured it. I definitely would recommend Dear Laura by Gemma Amore. I am super excited to read more of her work, and I will definitely share it on here when I do. <laughs> now it is time for the quote of the week. And this week I have taken a quote from Dear Laura because it is just such a good line. <laughs> and the quote is, And now like a little brown bird flying north, she continues walking on in a straight true line through the forest, always on and never back, because that is not how we survive. And I just love this line. It's an excellent line from an excellent book. <laughs> Now I'm going to take a quick break, and then I have a new chapter of my weekly writing project, Secret Keeper. I have to say that this story has taken a really interesting path, and I'm excited to see where it goes. <laughs> I think I know where it will end at this point, but who knows? That could change, too. <laughs> anyway, break time. Be right back. <coughs> Welcome back, book lovers. It is now time for a new chapter of my weekly writing project, like I said, we're on an interesting journey with this one, and I kind of feel like I'm just along for the ride right now. I just love it when things take an unexpected turn. Anyway, this week is chapter 25. Enjoy. Yada huddled in the forest in the dark. The night was foggy and damp. She shivered as the moisture made its way through the heavy blanket that she wore draped over her shoulders and seeped into her clothes. Still, she waited. She sat immobile in the darkness, watching. 
Finally, a square of light illuminated the darkness. Yada watched her stepmother emerge from the house. Yada's house. Or it once had been. She watched as the woman stepped away from the safety of the light and into the darkness below the trees. She took the same path every night. Yada didn't know what she did in the forest, but she knew the woman's routine by heart. She didn't dare to follow her. Her stepmother Lana was a large, intimidating woman even now. Yada was ashamed to admit she still feared the woman, and she feared the path into the forest even more. She had only been nine when she was first left in the forest. In the early days, Lana used trickery to get Yada to follow her. The first time was supposed to be an outing to collect berries, a chance to bond, Lana had told Yada's father. He was a weak man, in both spirit and body. He spent most days seated by the hearth, drinking a special brew Lana made for him, and wincing when his pain became too great. He had been greatly troubled when Yada first disappeared. Lana told him the girl had run away, though the truth was the exact opposite. Lana had sent the child down a path, that path, and then she ran away as soon as the girl's back was turned. Yada would never forget the sinking terror that turned her body to stone when she realized she was alone in the scary forest. She turned in a complete circle, searching for any sign of the woman meant to replace her mother. It took her two days to find her way home. The darkness under the trees was deep and complete. The moonlight couldn't penetrate the thick branches overhead. Yada found a hollow under a large tree root and crawled inside. She didn't sleep and lay facing out into the darkness until dawn made its way into the trees. She found her way home during the day. The path seemed to have vanished, but she felt her way through the trees. The house seemed to draw her home, and she arrived safely at the edge of the forest. She hesitated, watching her stepmother move around the kitchen through a window. The golden square framed her and cast her in shadow. But her eyes caught the dying light and flashed briefly with fire. Yada retreated in fear, but the moment passed. Her fear of the dark outweighed her fear of her stepmother. Back then, she still believed Lana was meant to protect her, and therefore would. She had not yet seen how cruel some people could be. She learned soon enough. Lana and her father had embraced her joyfully the first time she returned. As it began to happen more frequently, her father's patience waned. Lana wove tales and poisoned him against Yada. Soon he stopped even reacting to her return. If she ever tried to tell him what actually happened, he would hold up a weak, shaking hand and take a ragged breath. He didn't want to hear it. Soon after, he lost his voice. Then his eyesight. Only his hearing held on. He would grunt in response to Lana's constant complaints. She nagged him continually, and more often than not, she would turn her complaints toward Yada. Soon the mention of her name brought out a low growl from her father, the only sound he could make. One night, as Yada moved along the darkness beneath the trees, she saw a flash of glittery blue light, a brushstroke of beauty against the black sky. Yada felt no fear as she followed the sparkling trail left behind. She felt a deep certainty. This was right. Whatever it was she now followed was meant to be. And she had been right. The glittery trail of light led to a beautiful woman, hovering just above the ground, held up by delicate silver wings. Marina tucked her wings away as soon as she spotted Yada standing among the trees. She gave Yada a timid smile. Most of the villagers feared the Death Witch and would flee at the very sight of her. Not that they could have actually outrun her if it was their time to go. Yada knew of the Death Witch, of course. 
but she felt no fear as she stood watching the sun shining through her delicate wings. They made a soft shushing sound as she swiftly tucked them away. She was connected to this woman. She felt it with complete clarity. There was no reason, but she knew she was safe with this woman. And honestly, the people closest to her were far more dangerous. Morena was shocked by the girl's warm smile. There was something about her. Morena hadn't known then what it was, but she immediately liked the girl nonetheless. They soon became inseparable. Morena took her to the cliff house, and Yada began her apprenticeship. She thrived in the cottage on the cliffs. The sea air invigorated her, and her powers grew. One unusually stormy morning, a messenger from the village cautiously approached the cliffs. Morena received them gently. She had frightened many villagers in her time, and the tales only grew more horrendous with age. This man managed to deliver his message through trembling lips. Lana wanted to inform Yada that her father had passed away. The strain of his only child choosing a morbid profession like Death Witch had been too much for his weakened heart. Lana placed the blame for his death on Yada, and she forbade the girl from coming home. Yada went anyway. Morena didn't think it was wise, but Yada wasn't listening. She was moving. She was feeling her way through this one. Morena had to trust her judgment and hope for the best, but she still hovered near the edge of the forest while Yada approached the door. The girl knocked and waited. The sky darkened and the wind picked up intensity. Some villagers exclaimed at the change and hurried inside. The slamming of their doors echoed and ricocheted as the wind raged. Yada stood with her shoulders hunched and her hands shoved in her pockets. Her hair whipped around her head wildly. A swift and sudden hailstorm rained down on her. Pebbles of ice bounced off the road. They struck Yada's uncovered head and became entwined in her dancing hair, tangling it and taming its frantic twisting. Yada finally gave up and dashed away from the door. Morena ran with her along the familiar forest paths, the ones Lana never dared to follow. They burst through the tree line on the other side and slowed their frantic pace. The sky was pale gray, but calm and the sea showed no signs of disturbance. They were safe. Morena forbade Yada from returning to the village, at least until the storm blew over. Ha ha. The girl agreed with a silent nod. Her eyes were dark and troubled. Morena knew there was a very good chance of trouble ahead, but she also knew the girl could not be controlled. It was not Morena's place. Not in this. She really hoped the girl would have self-control, more self-controlled than anyone could ever be expected to have. She knew that trouble was coming, but it would be better if it was delayed. She tried everything she could think of, but she saw it all just bounce off the girl. Nothing was getting through. Whatever was going on in her mind held her complete focus. Morena might as well be talking to a wall. Yada snuck out that night. She had no idea how little Morena actually slept. Every sound made her jump, and she was always on edge, always watching. There was no way the girl was getting out of there unnoticed. Morena followed close behind as Yada crashed through the dark forest. If she noticed Morena tailing her, she didn't let on. She never turned. She moved with a purpose toward her destination. Morena wished she could slow her down, to somehow stop the inevitable. Instead, she slowed as Yada did, and watched the girl huddle near the edge of the forest. Yada sat perfectly still. She waited. Patience had always been her greatest asset. She watched Lana return from whatever dark deed she had done out there. 
She waited until the lights went out inside the house. And then she waited even longer. Morena was about to approach and see if the girl could be swayed to return home. But before she could decide what to do, Yada suddenly darted across the darkened backyard. She moved so swiftly that Morena quickly lost sight of her in the shadows. And then there was nothing to do but wait. Yada hugged the side of the house and moved silently around the perimeter until she found the window she wanted. The one in the guest room never latched properly, and she was counting on it still being open. It was. And she soon stood in her old home once again. It crawled over her like hundreds of insects, and she felt the urge to run from that horrible place. Instead, she moved quietly down the hall and slipped into her father's room. The stillness was eerie. His body lay atop his covers, his bed perfectly made beneath him. His hands rested unnaturally over his heart. If he'd had one, Yada thought with surprising bitterness. She moved closer and waved her hand over his body. It glowed brightly and revealed an intricate tapestry of silvery tattoos that covered his entire torso. Yada tried to lay a hand on him, but his tattoos glowed brightly and held her back. She could not even touch her father one last time. Lana had made sure of it. Rage simmered inside her. Yada moved away from the lifeless shell that had once been her father. She slipped out of the room and waited for her eyes to readjust to the darkness. Her eyesight seemed sharper in the dark, like she was made to haunt the shadows. Her heart was hammering in her ears as she stepped quietly into her stepmother's room. The woman lay amidst a mountain of pillows. Her mouth was slightly open and she was snoring. Her sleep was deep and seemed untroubled by the loss of her husband. Everything took on a reddish hue as Yada approached the bed. She removed a thick, lush pillow from the outer edge of the pillow wall that surrounded her former stepmother. Lana snorted in her sleep, but she didn't wake. Yada crept carefully among the pillows, until she knelt close to the sleeping woman's head. She placed the pillow solidly over her stepmother's face and leaned all of her weight onto it. Somewhere outside, there was a low rumble, like faraway thunder. Lana kicked and thrashed for a minute, but Yada held on. She placed her knees on the pillow and she used her body to keep it pinned down. It didn't take long for Lana's body to grow still. Yada waited a little longer, just to be sure. Then she crawled off her former stepmother's comfortable bed and started for the front door. A loud rumbling from deep within the earth shuddered to the surface, and the ground under her feet trembled. Yada darted for the forest, where Morena was waiting for her. A thunderous rumble shook them to their knees as Morena grabbed her arm and yanked her into the forest. What did you do? She cried over the crashing of the earth. She didn't give Yada a chance to answer. She snagged the girl's arm and they ran together. Their steps were light and barely skimmed the ground as they raced toward the cliffs. The cottage door slammed shut behind them, and the sudden silence was unnerving. Morena and Yada stood staring silently at each other for a long moment, and then the entire cliffside shook. The women cried out and dropped to their knees as everything crashed down around them. A can of peaches clipped Morena's temple, and the small cut bled profusely, adding to the mess. The shaking stopped all at once. The silence was heavy and immediate. Morena wondered for just a moment if she had suddenly lost her ability to hear. The silence was so complete. Even the sea was silent. It dawned on her suddenly. The constant ebb and flow, the crash of waves. There was nothing. Morena and Yada exchanged a wide-eyed look and at the same time darted for the door. Outside, they beheld the strangest thing Morena had seen in her long, long life.
the sea was still. The water rose into a massive wall and towered over them as they stood on the cliffside. Within the wall, Yada saw horrific monsters, vague and pale, but with sharp, glittering teeth. A flash of white slipped amongst the monsters. Yada watched the shimmery forms slicing through the churning waters and slipping unseen around the monsters bearing their vile teeth. She couldn't take her eyes off of it. She traced the pale, glowing trail that it left behind. Morena grabbed Yada's arm and yanked her backward. She stumbled and fell onto her backside with a painful bump. She glared at Morena and rubbed a spot on her hip. What are you doing? She hissed. Morena shook her head and turned back to the cottage. Yada followed reluctantly. The seawall still undulated before her, but the beautiful white glow was gone. The wall was a murky gray-green and still littered with monsters. Once inside, there was a roar of wind that shook the stone house until the shelves rattled. Morena refused to let Yada back outside that day. She made her go to bed, and although Yada fought it, she fell asleep almost as soon as her head hit the pillow. In the morning, the sea was back to normal. Yada woke suddenly and sat up quickly. She looked around the dark room in confusion, until her eyes landed on the new electrified wall of her room. She slowly recalled where she was, and the heavy sadness that came with the realization was sudden and intense. As her eyes began to fill with tears, Yada saw a flash of white beyond the crackling electricity. She jumped to her feet and swiftly approached the buzzing wall. Beyond it stood the pale beauty she had seen before, the one in the room at the top of the spiraling hallway. Hello, she said as Yada approached. Her voice was tremulous and soft, and she smiled. Yada felt immediately drawn to this glowing creature. Hi, she replied hoarsely. They stood facing each other. The pretty girl across the sparkling wall smiled serenely as the silence drew out to an uncomfortable length. Um, Yada said finally. The silence was too much. She had to break it. Do I know you? She didn't. She knew she had only seen this lovely creature once before. There was no way they knew each other. Why had she asked such a stupid question? The pale beauty laughed lightly and smoothed her already sleek and shining hair. We've seen one another before, she nodded. More than once. More than just today. Do you remember? Yada nodded vehemently. It was you, in the sea that day, among the monsters. The girl wrinkled her nose at the word, and Yada felt her stomach drop. She had upset this perfect being, and she wanted to throw herself against the electric wall between them. No, the willowy girl said. That won't help anyone, dear, dear Yada. You are far too important to be kept behind such a wall. A moment later, there was a loud pop and a flash of sparks. The wall vanished, and the girl stepped through to place a hand on Yada's arm. Her touch was cool, and Yada felt instantly comforted. I need you to trust me. I will explain when I can, but there isn't time now. Will you come with me? Yada nodded and followed the pale, slight woman into the dimly lit hallway. They began to climb the twisting path, Yada's heart hammering in her chest. She waited to be discovered, waited to sprint away into futility because there was truly nowhere to go. You do not need to fear anything here. My dear, dear Yada, you have no idea just how special you are. 
And that, she said, turning to look at Yada with fire in her eyes, is an absolute tragedy. They stood frozen in the hall for a moment that extended into forever. The beauty's golden eyes flamed and burned into Yada, deep into her very being. It was invasive and probing, and Yada wasn't at all comfortable with her intense gaze. When she ran her fingertips lightly over Yada's face, the skin burned where she had touched. But then she smiled, and Yada felt her fears fall away. She adored this graceful creature, and she would follow her wherever she led. The girl turned suddenly and continued up the spiraling hall. Yada stood frozen with confusion for a moment. Her head felt fuzzy and strange. The girl snapped once, and Yada hurried after her. She scooped up the slight willowy figure and carried her to the end of the hall. They paused in front of the girl's room, the place where Yada had first laid eyes on her. You are safe here, she said in her low, melodic voice. None may enter here without my permission. And beyond me, none have it. But I invite you to join me, my dear Yada. I will keep you safe. They stared into each other's eyes once more, but this time Yada smiled back. She was safe here. She could feel it. A noise from somewhere below in the hallway broke the spell, and the lithe beauty slipped from Yada's arms. She placed her hand on the wall, and the stone shimmered, and the door slid smoothly open in silence. She extended her hand to Yada. Welcome home. She smiled as Yada took her hand. She pulled her close. You can call me Lil. She placed a delicate hand against Yada's cheek, and her body filled with heat. Lil smiled, and Yada scooped her up and carried her into the room. Their laughter was cut off as the door slid silently shut, but not before they were heard by someone else. And that is the end of Chapter 25, Book Lovers. I hope you're enjoying Secret Keeper, and if you want to read more of my stories, you can find all of my books, plays, and short fiction at frappmedia.com. I hope you have a beautiful week and get a chance to read a really good book. Take care of yourselves, and until next time, keep reading. A Frap Media Production.